Hello and welcome to Super Boothers. I am here to talk to you about your car's extended warranty, Ryan Salinas. And I can no longer afford a car. Ismail. <laughs> too expensive. Okay. That's really funny with so this is the thing that I've been really annoyed with is you're scrolling through TikTok, you're scrolling through Facebook, and you see these people with huge, gigantic gas guzzlers that are complaining about the price of gas. It cost me $300 to fill up my tank. Well, maybe you shouldn't have bought a 75-gallon tank. How about that? Yeah. Um, that's you, you started it off with the whole... You're going to offend people with this conversation. You know that right now. <laughs> like, I, 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 I think it's going to be good for EV cars, though. Uh, but you're right. Um, and if you actually look at it, I never understood the people that like... I know people that go to the gas station with the cheapest price in town. If you add it up, it's not a big difference for your This car. is also another thing. I, I own three gas guzzlers. I I am not complaining about the price of gas. I knew what I was getting into whenever I did this. Yeah. You I only mean, have stay- yourself to blame. I'm, I'm staying at home more, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I, can, <laughs> I can understand like people who run businesses like with trucks that need a lot of fuel. It Something that's like it. delivery heavy? Absolutely. Yeah. But like Ryan Salinas with his pickup truck, I mean, you did it to yourself. <laughs> that was inherited, by the way. <laughs> um, so we'll get to that joke in a minute. I'll explain it. Um, we just finished PBX. Another another year in the books. Yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was such a great. It was so great to be back and see everybody in person. If it's funny because it's like a two year dark period. But once you're there and you're with everybody, you kind of almost forget about, almost forget about the the two years. It just pick up where you left off. Um, so it's cool to see everybody. By the way, I really have to say thank you to Dave Miller because he, I went, so I did my talk and then I had to leave, came back for like an hour just to run through the trade show real quick. Um, and just to kind of, you know, see what was going on. And I stopped by LA photo party and Dave Miller made me a little media pass and it was the cutest freaking thing. And it's on my desk right now. And thank you so much for Dave Miller. So what he did it for was I, we did a, uh, travel episode and we had talked about, Oh, whenever you're traveling with airlines and you want to bring equipment and you don't want to pay for that equipment, a couple of airlines have a loophole in particular Southwest has a loophole where if you bring a piece of luggage, it's overweight, you flash your media pass, they type it, type, 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 and then waive your uh, overage fee. So that that is such a nice little handy trick. And LA Photo Party did an amazing article explaining everything on how media passes work. So anyways, thank you, Dave Miller. I've actually, yeah, he, he showed them to me as well. And I've heard a few people bring up that tidbit or that tip that you mentioned. So I know a lot of people got value out of that. Um, it's Good such job. a wonderful little like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not even a hack because it's just, you're just utilizing how the system was, you know, meant to be utilized. I don't know. It was it's really just, fun. It, the more, you know, the more, you know, the more, you know, the more, you know, was there anything that stuck out to you at the show? You spent well, a lot of time, yeah. absolutely more time than I did. Yeah. Well, for people who are listening to that didn't see me or don't know i was recording a bunch of content like interviewing people on the floor interviewing people off the floor so i did spend a lot of time walking the floor and talking to people um i mean the first thing that sticks out to everybody and i'm sure you agree is that it was a lot of 360s 
like the 360 was like the main trend. It kind of reminded me that first year that iPad boots like took off at the expo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was just 360s everywhere. It was really funny because I posted on our Super Boosters Facebook group. So everyone have a good time with that 360 show. Yeah, that, that posted while I saw. Well, let me, let me ask you while we're on that topic. Like, do you think, does that concern you that it's like a, a fad that's about to die no, out? Or do you think it's a, because no. yeah, some people are like, oh, making fun of it. But I'm like, you know what? This shows me that this has really got legs. Like this is a big sign that this, this is, is not to be played with. This is this is just such a thing. I have heard so many times, oh, this photo booth thing is going to go dead. Okay. I went to San Francisco last week, and I went to the Musée de Mécanique down uh, in Fisherman's Wharf. The where what? They have the who? Musée de Mécanique. <laughs> uh, where, actually, I, I, I'm actually not even sure if that's correct, if that's what it's actually called. <laughs> um yeah, actually, that's what it is called. Um, anyways, it's in Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, and it's a wonderful little museum where you can go and see a whole bunch of like old school arcade games. And it's just such a, a cool experience because you get to see, you know, what these things looked like, you know, super long time ago. And one of the things that they have is an old school photo booth that's a traditional dip and dunk. So for those that do not know, a dip and dunk is a photo booth that actually uses chemicals to process your photo strip. And it takes five minutes and it smells like rotten eggs. And it is the most incredible thing you'll ever experience. I think that if you are in this industry, you absolutely need to go down there and just see how this thing works. It takes five minutes. If you want to hear anyone complain about how long it takes for a 12 second print to come out, send them over there and they can, you know, learn how to be grateful. But the cool thing is, Whenever you get the photo, um, it's actually wet uh, because all the developer is still on there. Um, it's just such a cool thing and such a fun thing to do. But anyways, whenever whenever you know you go and see stuff like that, people are always going to love taking pictures of themselves. Whenever people stop taking pictures of themselves is when we are out of a job, and that's just not happening anytime soon. Yeah, and you know, on that note, you're talking about how people are saying it's a fad for 15 years, like it's still growing. My, a general feeling I had was that like there were there were times at the depths of the pandemic where I was like, man, I don't know what's going to happen to this industry. Like it's this is the worst possible thing that can happen to the event industry. And I'm sure a lot of people left. A lot of people went out of business. They closed shop. But being at the expo, there's a majority of people are still there. Right. And it seems like a lot of people are talking to was are doing better than ever before. So. I went from questioning the future of the industry to now like, wow, the, the resilience that I saw. If if the global pandemic could not crush the photo booth industry, I don't I can't imagine what would other than like a nuclear war uh devastating the planet. Like I think I'm more optimistic about the future easy of the industry. There, now. Easy there. Let's not make any predictions. Calm <laughs> it down. You know what I'm saying? Like coming out of that, I just don't see what can really stop the industry. So I'm I'm more well, optimistic than ever before. So this is another thing is I think that, again, I was watching an episode of The Crown and she is 
in uh, this was where the the it wasn't a stalker necessarily, but someone had broken to Buckingham Palace and somehow and actually I believe he did this on three occasions and on the last occasion he actually ended up in the Queen's Chambers and this is a true story and this actually happened and while I do believe that the dialogue between the two was fictionalized a little bit the 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 point is whatever she's saying is you know he's saying about all of his grievances that he has with the government and and he has a legitimate beef and he went through his little chain of command and as to how all these things are are happening with his particular situation so you know he he can't make rent he can't get a job he can't do this he can't do that well he goes to all these resources that are supposed to help him and he goes to all these resources and they're all dead ends so he's he's complaining to his sovereign about a, a broken government, her government. And she's explaining, you know, how this stuff works. And she goes, you know, she goes, countries bounce back because they have to. We go through depressions. We go through war times. We go through, you, you know, uh, bad economic times. All of that stuff, we all just bounce back from just because we have to. There's always going to be a natural ebb and flow. So let's rewind to March 2020. I'm in I'm in Vegas. We had just come back from PBX. I had spent $7,000 in brand new photo booths for one client for them to cancel the day after it was delivered. So I thought to myself, well, what do I do? You know, you can sit and you can do nothing. You can figure out another situation for this. That's where I came up with another brand. At the same time, you, I, I, it, it's kind of like you know, whenever like the you know the banks are too big to too big to fail kind of thing. At that point, I had no choice but to sit it out. I can't go out and sell real estate. Sorry, I know that people went out to sell real estate. Oh my god! Well, if you're selling real estate, you're probably not listening to me anymore. So, haha. <laughs> well, you know, you know what comes to mind is the saying: the bounce back is greater than the setback. And that's kind of if I could sum up how I feel. That's how I feel. And if you if talking to people, there was a few people that I spoke to that are like, yeah, I kind of came here to see if I should keep doing this. And but most of the people I talked to seem to be doing better than before. Um, so there's that is a great sign. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Like the bounce back is going to be greater than the setback. So if you can set yourself up to capitalize on this going forward, um, I just think there's a lot of opportunity, and you can't call it a fad anymore. Like literally, a global pandemic where events were prohibited from happening for two years did not stop us. Yeah. And I think that there's also something to be said for, you know, the resilience and, you know, okay, well, we can't do this. So what can we do? So let's spur off and do virtual booth. And now what people don't recognize is virtual booth has its, has its own space in, in this, you know, new world that we're living in. And I think the applications of this stuff is just fantastic. Um, there is actually something that we do to speed up a line with a 360. And I don't even use anyone. I, 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 I we don't use our own internet. I mean, we, we use our own internet for the particular camera. However, for guests to get their photos, we're bouncing off of their internet. So I had a client the other day that was like, oh, well, how are we doing this? I was like, I'm using their internet, not mine. And it's just such a like a unique way that of getting photos to people. We wouldn't have had that if it weren't for COVID. 
No, that's a great point. I think, and that's why I kind of like, I don't like the term virtual booth because it's like all the effort spent building that stuff to survive in a virtual world uh, is now going to be pivoted and reused for other features for the in-person events or hybrid events or whatever you want to call it. So the virtual booth, like the, the name, I don't think is really applicable anymore, but it kind of just stuck. So, well, so this is also another thing is this also has to do with the mentality of other people. And I have a TikTok that I would like to share with everyone. And I would like to preface this by saying there are so many naysayers. And you know what's really funny is like now, like we call them haters. Before, like I remember when I was growing up, there was no word for it. And like that's why I love living in today because we have a name for literally everything. And I don't know, that part is just really cool. However, one of the things that I wanted to share with everyone is you have a whole bunch of people that are in your ear telling you, you know, you're not going to do well, or they're not doing well, therefore you can't do well. So anyways, take a listen. If you take one crab, drop it in a bucket next to the ocean, that crab is going to crawl out and wiggle its way back to the ocean. But if you take that exact same crab and put it in a bucket with nine other crabs, all 10 of those crabs are going to end up starving in that bucket. And what's insane is that we see the exact same behavior in human beings. What am I talking about? I'm talking about crab mentality. Crab mentality is a phenomenon named after a pattern of behavior that is observed in crabs when they're in a fisherman's bucket. It all starts with one crab trying to escape. When the other crabs notice, they immediately start to pull the crab back into the bucket. The resistance occurs repeatedly. Anytime a crab tries to get out, the group will prevent it from escaping. Due to this phenomenon, the fisherman can leave the bucket without a lid, secure in the knowledge that every time one of the crab tries to escape, the others will go out of their way to drag it back into the bucket. The fisherman doesn't even have to trap the crabs because they mentally entrap themselves. Clearly, they could all work together as a team and all escape. But when you have crab mentality, there's no such thing as team. Crab mentality is essentially the idea that if I can't get out, neither can you. If I can't be successful, neither can you. If I can't figure out a way to be happy, neither can you. You know, you'll be moving away from your hometown or getting promoted or starting to prioritize your mental health or your physical health. And all of a sudden you'll start seeing all these crabs in your life. You'll be moving up in the world and people with crab mentalities will be like, let me, let me pull you back down into this bucket. Let me pull you back down to earth and remind you of, remember how down and out you used to be? Yeah, let me remind you of your past. Let me remind you of all the reasons why you don't deserve all these good things that's happening to you. Crab mentality. Seeing you be successful makes them feel like a loser. Seeing you find love or figure out self-love reminds them of the self-love that they have not figured out how to cultivate in themselves yet. They can't stand to see you do well because of what that must mean about them. They have not yet figured out that pulling someone down will never help you reach the top. We don't know if they'll ever figure it out. Which is why you have to separate yourself from the crabs in your life. Because remember, there is no lid, right? You're not trapped in the bucket. You can get out. You can ascend. You can be successful. You're not trapped. But you can only do it with people who want to go with you, not people who want to go instead of you. Some people don't want to go with you. They want to go instead of you. That's why you have to be able to spot them 
and drop them. That is the only way to deal with people with crab mentality. So who's your crab? <laughs> uh, well, I, there's a lot of thoughts that I have. Let's unpack. Yeah, this. Um, where do I begin? I, I think I've beginning. heard of this. Yeah, I think I've heard of this phenomenon before, um, which is crazy. I, I just, I don't know if I'm totally on board with having the mentality or mindset like that are that there are people out to prevent you, like they hate us because they ain't us. You know that kind of. I just don't think people care that much. I, th- I think I, that I 100% disagree. I have seen people and actually you, I, I, I'm not going to name names or whatever. However, there was a backdrop company that was trying to rip up another backdrop company for clearly no reason was throwing around. I, I, I wish I could say names, but I'm not. Um, However, this person was trying to bring down the other person and made it their goal to bring down this other person that was rather large and established in our industry. Well, fast forward, you go to this person's website and they had copied and pasted the other photo backdrop company. And you're like, wait a minute. I have seen people, especially in wedding industry, I don't think I see it so much in photo booth world, but in wedding industry, you have people that will attack and will not rest until they bring someone else down. And granted, these things are just, uh, I think, isolated incidents. However, I really do believe that the environment that you put yourself in and there are certain people around you that you may not know that they're crabs, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's definitely people like that out there, um, right? There's always bad apples, but I would say I'm, I'm speculating here. But on the majority of cases, I don't know if they're really like out to get you as much as they're out to win themselves, and yeah. they think that the ba- the way to do that is to copy you or, or bring you down. They're just trying to win themselves, and it takes more time for some people than others to realize that they don't have to bring you down to win, right? And I'm I'm at a point in my life you know, personally recently, like I just don't want to compete. I'd rather collaborate. I'd rather win together. Uh, winning alone isn't as fun as people may think it is. Like even in, it's not, <laughs> not, no, I think, I think you'd agree with me, Ryan. I think <laughs> like getting to the top of the mountain alone is lonely. Like even if you like you're, you're successful, you have things that other people don't have. And I, I even see you do the same thing. You bring people along. You try to, yeah. right. It, you, it's not fun alone. So there's more um, pride or, or, or value in doing it with other people. Um, and th- that story also reminded me. So to me, it was all about your own mindset. Like I, I, I'm not disagreeing that there's bad people out there. I just don't want to focus on, oh, man, they're trying to bring me down. I want to focus mm-hmm. on my own mindset. And I think it reminded me of the other story that's similar about like circus elephants, how when it's a baby elephant, like they put it in a, like a twig fence that is really weak. Uh, sure. But as the elephant grows and grows and grows, and it's a giant elephant, they still use the same fence because that elephant mentally believes it can't break the fence down. Meanwhile, it can knock it over with its trunk, right? But it's just conditioned to think, I can't get out of the, I can't get past this fence. And I think that is what I would like to focus on more is the mindset that you have. Uh, do you have limiting beliefs? Do you have things that you think that hold you back? And I don't really want to focus on this other person's trying to copy me or rip me off. You know, I, I want to focus on myself. So this is something that I learned 
a, a very long time ago. And I'm going to say something today that uh, I don't think I've said publicly before. Um, I was at Podcast Movement uh, in Philadelphia whenever we were trying to figure out like, you know, oh, we're going to do this new podcast thing. And they had, it was just like a regular trade show, just podcast stuff. So it was, I actually think Gary V might've been there. Uh, there was Pat Flynn, uh, what's her name from, uh, NPR, Terry Gross, love her. And she actually, she actually had probably one of the most profound speeches that I've ever had the privilege to witness in person. Um, but anyways, but you know, whenever you're in, this was also pre pandemic. So you're chit chatting with people and that's part of the culture. So I'm, I'm chit chatting with people and there was this one woman, I have no clue how I ended up. Cause I went to this podcast movement by myself, like uh, me by myself walking around, no one else around didn't know a soul. And so somehow I ended up talking to this one woman uh, who was starting her own like spirituality podcast. And we just started chit-chatting and somehow she asked me a question and I have no clue where this came from, but you know how like you're in like a situation with someone and you're like, I'm never going to see this person ever again. I might as well just tell them the truth. You know, I mean, like, I mean, uh, the, just the honest truth. I went to her and we were chit-chatting and she made a comment about why I was successful or something along those lines. And she made a comment and asked me if there was anyone that either like would prevent that from me or told me otherwise. I said, you know, I said, whenever I was nine years old, and I know people are going to hear this that don't know this, but that's okay. Um, my stepfather abused me. Not, not sexually, but physically abused me. And this happened between the ages of 9 and 14. And I didn't tell my mother because for me, in my head, I was grown, what have you. And it wasn't between me and him and her. It was just between me and him. And it was um, fairly traumatic. However, I have never gone through life as the victim. I've never gone through life as saying anything other than, you know, yes, this is something that happened to me, but it doesn't define me. This is something that happened to me that I had no control over. And so she made a comment to me and she goes, that's why you're successful. And I go, what? And she goes, that's why you're successful because you're trying to prove your stepfather wrong. I looked at her and I mean, you know, it's like one of those moments where like this was a crowded, very loud room. And it was if there was just a bubble between her and I, and it was dead silent. And I looked at her and I said, no. I said, that gives him the power. That means that my success is because of him. That's not right. That's not true. I'm successful because I put in the hard work. I wasn't trying to prove him wrong or anything. That gives him the power, not me the power. 
Well, first, just want to appreciate and thank you for being open and vulnerable because I don't think I've heard that story uh, before. Uh, what comes to mind for me is that I totally agree with you that you don't want to give power to the abuser, right? You don't want to victimize yourself because, again, it goes back to the mindset that keeps you back. But I also, I think an observation that I've had is that successful people everywhere, you, other people I know, other people I read about, like it seems like every single one of them have stories like that, have trauma, have obstacles they've overcome. And the only real question that's left, if you're trying to look for a secret for success, is some people don't overcome those obstacles. So what is it about you, that nine to 14 year old you that allowed you to overcome? And I think that's the secret. I don't know if you can even answer that, but a lot of people go through similar obstacles. You know, whether, it's not just your example, like, oh, growing up sure. in a drug, drug addicted household or, or whatever, right? There's a lot of different trauma, a lot of different examples. Some people succumb to it, some people overcome it. And whoever shows that ability to overcome, even at a, like, especially at a young age, that to me is like a, a sign of success. If you can overcome these things now, you're going to overcome them again and again and again. But why do you think? you have that ability. What gave you that? What made you different? I have, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah. That's the no, real question, well, right? And, well, and, well, and I will say this, and, and, and this is way off the topic of photos, but we will bring it back, I promise, at some point. Um, well, it's about success and entrepreneurship, so I think it's a good, maybe, it's a good point. Maybe, maybe next episode we'll talk about a 360 or something cute like that. Um, no, but I will say this. I think that I absolutely had to make a conscious effort to not allow myself to be the victim to not, and maybe this partially comes from just like br bringing it back, you know, and putting it in the back of your head. That's why in a lot of these like child abuse cases, they're trying to put the limit on, you know, the statute of limitations is like what, 10 years or something like that. And in the instance of this stuff, people don't talk about this. They don't feel comfortable talking about this until they're much older. And, um, actually there's a great, there's a great documentary on Netflix called the keepers. And it's, it's, um, about a similar situation, granted much, much, much more dire, um, cause there's, you know, murder involved, but whatever. But at the same time, I think that this also goes to, I think other characteristics that I have, I don't get angry. I mean, not that I don't get angry, but I don't like explode. I don't, my anger is silenced. I am so – whenever I'm quiet, I am the most pissed off I can possibly be. And that's – I think that that's how like – I remember there was one instance when I was doing flowers and there was an employee that I had that broke a lot of glass. Like I mean it, it was just a loud crash of glass. And I went in and I go, are you okay? And he, he was cleaning glass and shards everywhere. And he goes, I'm fine. And he looked like he was like flinching. I go, what's wrong? He goes, I thought you were going to yell at me. I go, I'm a florist. There's glass. Glass breaks. Do we have more? Yes. Okay, let's clean this up. Be careful cleaning it up and let's move on. I think that I don't explode over stupid stuff like that. But think about like what that person has endured exactly. for, their, for that to yeah. be their reaction. Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, so yeah, like – to me, it just goes back to how some people are able to overcome and some people just can't. Um, and it's not like uh, it's not like I'm talking down to those people because you know you 
there's bad things that happen. And if you can't overcome them, you know, I can't blame you. They're bad. Uh, I just seem to notice that some people that have that skill set and they never know why. They never know what it is about them that they have that belief. Um, And even if you don't want to, I don't know what the word is, but even if you don't want to give credit to those negative things or power to those negative things, I feel like they all have a role. The positive things too, right? You can't yeah, I'm sure. totally it's discount kind of, it, them. No, you know? it's like high school bullies build character. I completely get it. And, and there is, I guess, something to be said for that. And you know what? I'm sure that it happens with a lot of people. You hear about actors going into auditions, someone saying, oh, you're too fat. Oh, you're too this. Oh, you're too that. You go off on some tangent. You lose a lot of weight. You have this glow up. You know, you win an Oscar. Thank you to the casting director that called me fat. You know, I mean, I, I do believe that there are certain things like that that are are motivating and there are certain things that happen in your life where you I'm not going to say it's your rock bottom, but it's where you recognize, hey, these things are things that I probably should address with my life and and continue on from there. I I, I know that whenever like just health wise, whenever I want to get in that mentality, I I'm, I'm like Janet Jackson. I'm either 300 pounds or a dollar 25. There is no in between. And I, I mean, truthfully, that's just, that's just how it goes. And, you know, I think there are certain people that have the ability just to turn it on and off. And there was actually, and we've talked about this, I think previously, but there was, uh, an instance of this, um, it was a psychologist and he was saying about how people build effective habits and the way how they build effective habits is not just, you know, a routine of, you know, um, I'm going to do this for 21 days and then it's a habit all of a sudden, you know, you're getting in a routine or whatever, which right now is really hard for me to do for anything in my life, yet alone health. Um, but what he was saying is how, what you have to do to make an effective habit. And this can come from, you know, organizing your office warehouse, organizing all your photo with equipment to getting your booking system straight to losing weight to, you know, fixing the garden, making sure everything's fine there. You know, he goes, what you do is you make it your identity and that's how you become successful at creating good habits. So for example, let's just say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start going on walks. Well, no, you can start off with walking. However, you're going to become a runner. Well, then you're going to get the best shoes. You're going to get the best outfit. You're going to get all the equipment. You're going to make it your identity. You're going to post about it. You're going to, you know, make people hate you on Facebook because you're doing it so much. That's how you're going to create an effective habit. I don't know how effective that is. I will say I am like that before he even said this. So I think that I, I, I kind of agree with that a little bit. That's a great point. That reminds me of an old uh, boss I had in, in Wall Street where I think I was asking him, like, hey, how do I get to become a manager? How do I become like in your position? And his advice was, you want to become a manager? Act one, act like one now. Yeah. Like, act like one now. And it's kind of like what you just said, make it your identity. And if you identify as a manager or a fit person or an entrepreneur, it happens because you're shifting your brain to think and about putting like, it out there. Yeah. What would, what would a manager do? How would a manager look? How would a manager speak? How would a manager talk to his coworkers? And then you just start acting like it. And people are like, Hey, this kid's got management potential. Let's make him a manager. And I think that applies to a lot of things in life. Like you said, even there's this thing going around now called 75 hard. Um, it's like a fitness yeah. A challenge. Yeah, actually, or we talked about Mike Anderson. Yes. Was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and he he's actually the guy I, I, was, I spoke to and he's like it's just a switch uh like i knew i was going to succeed at this the day i started is what he told me and that to me it's it's what you're talking about with the identity you you shift your brain to think about succeeding at all costs like it's already done it's already done now i'm just going through the motions yeah 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 so anyways, I think that um, going back to the, the crab mentality, I think that it is most definitely possible for people to be around you that you may not know are crabs bringing you down. I think that that's also possible. I think that there are people it, – it, it's really difficult. And that's another thing. If you If you come from any sort of ethnic background or immigrant family or anything like that and you t- start talking to them about hopes and dreams – that is going to get thrown out the window because it's a different, the mentality is a survival mentality. You know, that you have, you know, family that came to this country or what have you, that their goal was to give their children a better life than they had. And now here we are talking about hopes and dreams. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy for, you know, your family to become a crab for you. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I don't think that my family has had, I mean, am I talking, am I making sense here? Is this? Yeah. I mean, so a few, <laughs> a, few a few thoughts that I got from listening to you just there. Um, I, I don't want, I don't want people to walk away um, thinking about other people because I do agree with you that there are, you know, people that hold you back that are negative and that you should distance yourselves from them. Like I have friends that I support, I encourage you know, when they share me with share their wins with me, I'm there for them. And I've just noticed that when I share some wins, they don't really reciprocate that. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't hold anything against them. I just observe it and I adjust my behavior. And I think I just don't want to fall into that trap of worrying about other people. They're trying to hold me down or they're hating on me or whatever. And it's kind of like um, a lot of people have resentment towards their parents. Uh, like I have friends that are, oh, they're not supporting me and my dreams and they don't think I can make it. And my response is always like, listen, y- your parents doing the best they can with what they know. Like I don't give fault to anyone. Uh, they're not holding me back. They've just held themselves back and they just cannot see what I see. It's not anything that they're like, it's not a negative intention towards you. It's just all they know. And uh, it's kind of, I feel bad for them, but I noticed that and I don't let that hold me back. It's all about you focusing on yourself and doing what you have to do to take yourself to the next level, take yourself where you want to go. You know, I also see a difference between my grandfather and his brother, my uncle. And my uncle has very much always been the entrepreneur and my grandfather has always been steady paycheck. They fundamentally have two different outlooks on life. I, however, do could never have a steady paycheck. If I had a steady paycheck, I went somewhere wrong in my life. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, truthfully, truthfully, if I ever have a steady paycheck, that means that I did something wrong. <laughs> you know why I'm laughing is because um, I so you know as, as someone that went from one spectrum to the other, uh, it's it's a whole different world, universe, mindset. Um, Do and you regret I, it? N- I don't regret it. But I will say um, for people that have, you know, can relate to me or, or they're thinking about making the leap, uh, it was really challenging. It was really, really more challenging than I would have ever expected mentally. 
Mm. Um, it, it's like you said, your your grandfather and, and your uncle or whatever. It's it's a gap. It's a different brain, and it's hard to go from one end to the other. And even my friends now, they're just conditioned with their paycheck. They budget. They can afford this type of home. They can. What does to that me, mean? Like they can, they, they structure their lives around that stable paycheck to how much they spend on going out to how much they spend on their home. And it's, it's hard to leave that bubble. It's really hard to leave that bubble. But once you do, like I'm trying to buy a home now and I don't even know what budget to put, to be honest with you, because I want to think bigger. I want to go, I know I, I can, <laughs> well, I can do down. more, <laughs> I can do more, right? I, I'm not limited by a paycheck or a 2% raise. Yeah. So the thing that I remember whenever you were quitting your job, so this is also another thing is I don't think that we have this situation come up as often as we did before. Before the question of, well, when do I quit my job? Well, I'm doing so much photo with business. When when do I make the leap? When do I do this? And I remember I would get those questions and then you started asking those questions and then you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit the job. And then, and then you go, oh wait, my wife's pregnant. I'm like, don't quit. <laughs> I was like, stop, don't do that. And you're like, why? I was like, because the healthcare, stick it out for nine months. Like you're fine now. <laughs> but, but this is this is the thing is I will I will say that I have I have worked for someone in the middle of my life. I I started off with my own business when I was 17 kept on going. There was a brief two-year period where I went to work for someone else and then came back and, you know, been doing what I'm doing ever since. The The issue that I have is those two years that I learned working for a larger company taught me a lot of things. Um, I think it taught me how to be a better manager. I think it taught me how to recognize better customer service. Um, but at the time, you kind of don't know these lessons while you're kind of mm. experiencing and going through them. Um, but at that time, it, working for myself is all I've ever known. So whenever someone is telling me, you know, April of 2020, that they're working you know, they're nine to five from their bed in a laptop. I'm like, welcome to the last 10 years of my life. Like this is, the, I, I have, I have woken up at noon before, gotten all my work done, then went shopping. Like this is, this is nothing new to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's just a tough road to go from one end to the other, to go from employee to on your own or to go back. It's that, that transition is just so tough that, uh, you, I don't know. It, it, it's, I don't want to say you should stay where you are because uh, I think it's better to, to do your own thing if you can, but I don't think everyone's cut out for it. To be honest with you, I think it's really, it's, it's difficult and not everyone has the mindset for it. Well, and I think that's the thing is, is that you have to recognize, you know, are you, are you an astronaut or are you an astronomer? You know, are you going to go out there and are you going to, you know, see and do and touch if, or are you just going to look up and, you know, think about it? You know, so anyways, what I love, what I yes. love about these conversations is that we start talking about like PBX 360s and then we're talking about, <laughs> it's like, it's, 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 it's such a natural 
valuable conversation to me. I, I hope people feel the same way, but um, we touch up on a lot of different things. And I, I don't think we ever want to be pigeonholed to like, this episode is about 360 booths and that's it. I think these, you know, rabbit holes are where the real value are for people who are entrepreneurs. Like that's where the gold is. All these challenges, all these observations that we have along the way. So let us know what you think. Go to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash superboothers. Thanks so much, everyone.